This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Milwaukee. Start your engines. It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, Final Inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. And that, of course, was uh, the Japanese feed of uh, last weekend's 101st running of the Indianapolis. 500, in which their countryman Takuma Sato won in a, a very, very exciting race over Elio Castro Neves in, for Team Penske. Corsado driving for Andretti Autosport. And uh, there was thoughts of a Formula One driver winning the race, that being Fernando Alonso, but actually it was another one, a former F1 driver, of course, Takuma Sato, who actually stood on the podium at Indianapolis for a Formula One race, I believe in the final F1 race that was held at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And uh, Sato won the race. Uh, I had the pleasure to be at the track. Actually got a fan's eye view of the race for the first time ever. I've sat in the the stands uh, many times for qualifying in that in the 90s, in the 80s and 90s, I should say. And uh, also up where I was sitting in the penthouse seats up in turn one, just right at basically pit pit exit, and it was a fantastic, fantastic view. That's the area that's been rebuilt. Uh, they redid that area last year. Fantastic. They have elevator services up there for for the fans and uh, multiple uh, restrooms on each floor along with snack, like a snack stands for hot dogs and whatnot, and a very, very customer-friendly, fan-friendly uh, venue to see a race, I must say. And uh, w- with with that event, uh, we'll be talking more, with, of course, with Tony DeZeno here in a few minutes and kind of digging in deep into the who, what, where, when, and why kind of the race. But I kind of wanted to get, get a kind of a fan's perspective or the man-in-the-street perspective. And, of course, producing the show with me this week is Jeff Olowski. And, Jeff, uh, what, what was your thoughts on the race? I thought it was wildly entertaining. Um, you know, it it had the passing was just unreal. You know, the guys were able to pass at will almost. It seemed like uh, the closing speed. Uh, you know, when it looked like it, the car ahead of you was you know ten twelve uh, car lengths ahead. The closing speed. If you're if you're getting around them and you got a good run coming out of 
coming out of two, coming out of four. You know, it was it was very exciting. Obviously, had some scary crashes, and everybody's okay, which you know is is great. But uh, I thought it was just a fantastic race, start to finish. Have you gotten any feedback from other people? Uh... Yeah, m- most of it is. Wow, the Indy 500 was so much more entertaining than the Coca-Cola 600. Yeah. So a lot of it was, you know, some praise for Indy more trashing NASCAR. It was kind of, I mean, for me, on a personal point of view, it was interesting because after a race, I was in no rush to go because, it was, you know, there's there's two trains of thought uh, for if if you're either going to beat the crowd or you're going to wait the crowd out. Right. For me there's no there's no reason to do anything else. And I've done both. I've I've beaten the crowd out a few times and that's actually kind of thrilling and fun, but there's another part of me that kind of enjoys just sitting on my buddy's porch in Auburn Street and watching the drunks go by. <laughs> so, uh and that's what we did this this time and perfectly. I mean, you know, they were always worried about showers and that. It wasn't until I I, I got to be about an hour and a half after a big strong thunderstorm cell kind of came through and it rained like a mutter for I want to say about a half hour 20 minutes or so it was a pretty good pretty good old good old uh, Indiana uh, thunderstorm but it was so I didn't leave till about three hours after the race made it home to Milwaukee here the Milwaukee area at about 1045. To see the final segment of the, <laughs> of the NASCAR race. And yeah. thanks to uh, Sirius Radio, I was able to listen to segment three on the way up and, and parts of segment two uh, in northern Indiana. But, I mean, it was incredible. That that rain, the the, the little intermission they had there was, was perfect. I mean, I did not think I was going to see any of that race live, and it just so happened that I, that I did. And, yeah, it was kind of frustrating. I mean, it was it, it, it was Martin Truex race. Oh, absolutely! And and, and just for Austin Dillon to kind of sneak in there, I guess, kind of the same way that Alexander Rossi kind of won last year. Truex, you know, the five hundred last year, but Truex won the six hundred last year, uh, dominating fashion. Looks like he was going to do it again. What was your kind of what your thoughts on that? Before we, of course, we'll talk more about this in the second hour with Dennis Michelson, but. Well, you know, Truex had the dominant car, and then in in stage four, you know, Kyle Busch really got got his right. tuned up and, and was running on rails, and he ended up passing Truex, uh, you know, with a few laps to go there and ended up coming home second. We obviously all know what happened in the in the post-race uh, press conference with uh, with Kyle Busch, and I'm sure we'll talk about that later as yeah, well. Yeah, I do want to talk about that. Because... But, uh, but, yeah, you know, it, it was just... It was just another kind of ho hum. It it was better than the All Star race, but not yeah. by a whole lot. Mm-hmm. You know, and then why would NASCAR put down the um, the the the, uh, the uh, yeah the, <laughs> Dennis knows, THC this, whatever the, yeah this THC where's your mind VHT VHT right uh yeah why would they put that down when the race you know and obviously the rain had a little bit to do about uh with it but only like an hour of it was under the sun right and so then then you know the sun goes down the track cools off and it doesn't really do much yeah so it just it wasn't 
it wasn't what one of the marquee races in NASCAR should have been. It just and like I said, we'll talk more with Dennis Michelson from Race Talk Radio in the next hour on this. But it, it's it's kind of frustrating for you know because we try we, we want to be honest, we want to be fair, and you know some people are like oh that's an IndyCar show they don't like NASCAR. No, no, it's not like that. Jeff is a hardcore NASCAR fan. Yes, I am. I was brought up as a stock car fan with the old USAC series and NASCAR series. Love Dick Trickle, Alan Kowicki, all those guys, you know, and, and it's just kind of frustrating when you see a sport that you like and love just kind of, in, you know, being in a situation that it is now. We went through the same thing with the IndyCar series with me. I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a kid that was brought up on everything. I don't care if it's drag racing with Big Daddy Don Garlitz, if it's Lamal racing with the Porsche and Ferraris, stock car racing with Richard Petty and those guys in, in, back in the day and David Pearson. You know, I, I just loved I don't care. I was a gearhead as a kid, man. I loved that stuff. And, yeah, if it's got a motor. Yeah, exactly. So what we're going to do and uh, what we have coming up uh, on the show uh, coming up next is going to be Tony DeZeno from NBCSports.com. We're going to dig in, talk about the Indianapolis 500, do a couple segments with him, and then we're going to talk with Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. We'll talk about the Monaco Grand Prix that was held before. I mean, it was certainly the the Super Bowl of, of uh, I mean, all of the big racing was last week. He had Monaco Grand Prix in the morning, Indianapolis 500, and then, of course, the World 600 uh, at Charlotte in the evening. So a lot of fun stuff to talk about. And then in the second hour, we'll talk with Dennis Michelson. We'll talk more NASCAR uh, from racetalkradio.com. And then uh, we'll close out the show with Dennis and Lori talking a bit more NASCAR. So thanks uh, thanks for listening today. You're listening to, listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway. Make sure you check them out this weekend. The weather is good. The racing out at Great Lakes Dragway is even going to be better. Check out all the new things that they have there. Go to greatlakesdragway.com. It's not too late to get out there. And uh, if you get out there, check out their uh, website. You pay for you, you pay for admission. You can even drag race your car. So you can check out how that Nissan Maxima is doing. What do you have in Nissan Sentra? I got a, well, I've got a Nissan Quest minivan, which I don't think would uh, burn. I think, uh, I think we should put that thing on the drag strip. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll try it. All but right. uh, yeah, I'm I got talk to Roy Henning, who was on last week. So, uh, we'll, we'll we will uh, talk to those guys, and we're going to talk to Tony Dezino next, and the Milwaukee area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar dot com. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers. On the web at milwcar.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, Tony DeZeno from NBCSports.com. Welcome to the show, Tony. Hey, Z-Man. Good to be on, and uh, good seeing a lot of fellow Wisconsinites last week, although not at all hours, unfortunately. Well, I, I do have to apologize to you on air because we were doing a little media uh, dog and pony show uh, that you do in the North Plaza and we saw, we it was funny, we were running around and I saw you and then I had a phone call 
and it was so important. I don't, I don't even remember who it was, but I do remember <laughs> that I had to take the phone call and I blew you off. So I, I, on I air, mean, I apologize. To, 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 to be fair, when Fernando Alonso calls, you got to take. It, so. <laughs> hey Tony, do you feel like you're getting big timed by uh, Zaki here? He sits in the penthouse suites. You know, he's too good for uh, for the media section, and then he blows you off when when the celebrities are calling him. Are you getting big timed by the Z man? You know, the Z-Man's last name might be last in the dictionary, but it's first in the penthouse, man. (laughs) So, um, you know, that's why I have the Z as a capital, to just try to be on on the same level. Well, we we let off the show with the the Japanese television, and um, uh, Jeff Olson did a pretty cool article about the Japanese media contingent. And for, for many years, Dating back to the 90s, I remember these guys follow. There's always been, as long as there's been a Japanese driver, as far as I know, pretty much since 92, there has been one. There might have been a year or two in which there wasn't one, but let's see. We got Hiro Mashusta. We got uh, uh, Takagi, Takagi, Matsura, Matsura, Muto. Yeah. there's been a number of them, but there there really hasn't been anyone quite on on Taku's level for a while. And and it, the irony of Jeff Olson writing that article, Jo is a good dude, and uh, you know I remember him very famously being I think aggrieved at a St. Pete race a number of years back where Graham Rahal won it, and I think he was annoyed by cheering in the press box. So, but in this case, it was I, I really I agree with you. I really like that article because they were they were pumped. I mean, they were fired up, and it was it's just as as uh, as exciting to watch them as it was to watch the finish. It was. And and I thought he brought a good point where he kind of says, you know, you see them, you know, with, you know, with, with the jet lag and that. And there was a lot of times I've seen these guys pull into Indianapolis and they are just beat. (laughs) And you could tell, you know, these guys are just beat to heck. And I'd see this at Milwaukee too, when they fly in and I felt so bad for these guys because I mean, it's pretty. That is pretty much a total opposite night, night and day thing. Where you know, so, you know, people may bitch and moan about being from New York going to L.A. or vice versa. There's a big difference going from uh, Japan to Indianapolis. That is true, true jet lag. And these guys were. I mean, they were hurting. Now here's the thing, right? So we let off with the call at the top of the show, and they're this excited at you know three, four, five in the morning, whatever it is in Japan. Could you imagine how excited they would be if it was up at normal hours? You know, something. <laughs> I mean, they're that pumped up the top in the middle of the night. I'm thinking it's just. I think there's there's a really cool cultural connection, and I think there's there's something to be said for for what Sato's win means for Honda. Mm-hmm. Uh, given all their reliability issues throughout the month, that it's a guy that has been with them for 15 plus years, has been with the Honda of Japan component, has been with, you know, the the factory team in F1, had a separate team that he got to drive for, Super Aguri, super best friends. I mean, Fernando Alonso must be having, you know, Canadian GP nightmare flashbacks because they're Sato trolling him again, just like he did it at Montreal when he passed him when he was in the McLaren. So. Mm-hmm. And and what Sato's you know been over here, you know he's he's been really aligned with Honda too. I think for from a manufacturer standpoint, I don't think there's there's a driver there more, you know, aligned with than than what uh, what Taku is. Sure, sure. And, and you know with and that, I mean, them and Elio. I mean, all credit though to Elio. I mean that oh. he drove. I mean those two guys were at ten tenths. I mean. 
they were pushing it as far as they could go, and you could really, I mean, it's sometimes it's harder to tell in an IndyCar to, to other forms of racing, but for for those that have been there at the Speedway and and seen some pretty good racing, that's that's as good as it gets. And it was tense too because it was, yeah. you, you just have the the setup of okay, Taku is a guy that is so fast, but unfortunately has had a reputation of not being able to finish the job. Right? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 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 going last lap, and it's like. You know, some people are next to me like, he's got this, he's got this. I'm like, make it through turn four. We've been here before <laughs> in this spot. And Elio's, you know, putting pressure on him. And the thing of it was, I thought this was one of Elio's best ever drives in his whole career. Oh, I mean, sure. Not just at Indy, but, you know, he had the damage. I mean, he had the fact he had Scott Dixon's car almost flying over the top of him at one point. Loses the rear wing end fence. He's basically running a car at qualifying for him, super low downforce the whole race and yet is able to hang on to it despite not having the grip in the corners with a car that has a a known power deficit you know it's not much but it's it's efficient enough gap to where you know he was able to hang tough even though Taku had what was a clearly superior car it was it was a fantastic effort uh from Elio and you know go figure right I mean the guy is still this good and I I don't think people talk about how good he still is and and how long he's been this good too it's just hard to appreciate that because you know finishing second he's so frustrated that it's another opportunity that's gone away from them to to get that fourth and then the scouting report on Dale Coyne Racing uh good on street courses and some road racing but Nah, they're not really good on the super speedways. We can tear that. We can tear that up right now. Four words or five: Craig Hampson and Olivier Bosson, the two engineers that they brought on this year, because that's the guys that made T Bell's car a rocket ship last year at Andretti and Sebastian Bourdais. What a shame! Um, you know, would have been probably could have been on the pole, certainly on the front row, uh, and then he gets hurt, and James Davison gets plucked out of you know a pack of angry hungry drivers that want to be in the paddock and want to be in the car um goes 33rd to first and then my vote uh for rookie of the year mine not everyone's unfortunately ed jones what a what a performance by him i mean guy just flies under the radar all month is you know it's interesting I, I went into the month and saying oh alonzo's a big story but you know hey look there's these three other Maserati road indie grads that are also rookies and, mm-hmm. and ed just lived up to it the whole month uh you know in his co- group he had michael cannon as an engineer he was consistent he wasn't outside really the top seven or eight in practice all month he was unlucky to qualify where he did and he raced with guys that are so much more experienced uh beyond his years. I mean, Elio paid him a tribute in the post-race press conference. So it was what Dale Coin Racing did this month is one of the most, it's one of the most roller coaster months a team could ever have. You lose your team leader. You, you have a huge financial setback on top of a previous financial setback at Phoenix. And to, to rally the way they did, I thought was, you know, that's the spirit of Indy where you've got a team that's a little smaller but overachieves, outkicks its coverage, and gets the results. So, and the great thing about Ed was he was he was mad, like he's like I, I right. the car was broken and he's, he wanted to be higher, and you know, that kind of fighting spirit's really cool to see. And and the other one who was kind of disappointed, but you know if you had him in a pool, you were impressed, especially if you paid out like the first five spots. Is is you know Max Chilton? This mm-hmm. is a guy who's who struggled. And there's a lot of people scratching their heads. What is this guy doing? You know, when is the when it's you know when's the light gonna click on? And I, I think we know one of the reasons why, don't we? 
Well, uh, I'm not entirely sure what, what, what you well, mean. Well, with Dario on that, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Uh, the, the transfer of the magic hair, right? Um, <laughs> what, one, other, one other change that's been interesting for Max, and, and he basically strategized his way to the front a little bit before halfway, got to, got to the lead, stayed out front. But then they made a rather peculiar call at the time where they pitted on one of the yellows with about – 75 laps to go, and it's like, well, you can't get home in two stops from there, so they still would have needed a, a third stop, but they, they got lucky a little bit later when uh, Kimball's engine went out. Uh, that put everyone back on the same strategy, but Max raced really, really well. Um, it was good at defense. I mean, there were a couple times where Takuma or Elia would come after him, and he held him off through turn one. He just lost grip as a, the last stage went on. It, it's interesting. I talked to him on media day, and I said, hey, you know, 15th last year is, is like fifth a reasonable goal. Can you win it? He's just like, yeah, mate, there's no podiums here. I, I had Charlie, you know, finish third a couple of years ago, and he won one interview and then got to go back to the, the, the lounge and drink orange juice, you know. So he was just basically saying that, that, that you get forgotten otherwise. But he had a, a dynamic month. He had a great run in the GP, was really solid throughout the month, and, and you know, Few, if anyone, would have had him as Ganassi's top finishing driver, and, and he was that. Okay, I want to re revisit this rookie of the year discussion and debate. Um, I I'm not totally saying one one vote is is right and one vote is wrong. However, I I do want to bring a little bit of history into it, only because I just did an article on this guy about a month or two ago, and that's Jose Lee Garza. Uh, in 1981, Jose Lee Garza kind of came to came to the Indianapolis new team, a uh, couple of uh, one-year-old Penske PC9Bs, and, and with him and Jeff Brabham, just really, really took to the speedway and and was was spectacular. Uh, in in a day when it was really, really tough for rookies to kind of claw to the top of the the crab pail, and, and for Jose Lee led a few laps. And he was running in top five most of the day and then had an issue where he, he hit the wall, I think, in, uh, in turn three. But the crowd really loved him and everything. Jeff Brabham finished, I think, fourth or fifth in that race. Probably should have won Rookie of the Year, but it's, it was actually Ozele Garza who got the Rookie of the Year. I think that's kind of where you're seeing that that's way the voting went this year. Because you know they 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 don't auto you know and I'm sure you've heard this Tony it doesn't go to the highest finishing rookie it's kind of the overall for the whole month of May which isn't really a month of May anymore but uh, what's your what's your opinion on that well Does great that article you? on that Tony by the way uh, where you broke down all the different ways that uh, that the voting happens and and you put your vote out there and said you voted for Jones which which takes some stones to do, so kudos to you. Well, I guess we should probably direct the listeners to that article on NBCSports.com. Yeah. Right. So it's a piece called Inside the Indy 500 Rookie Voting Process. Um, has my uh, last name ahead of it. Uh, the beauty of the website search function is that's the easiest way to do it, or just go to NBCSports.com slash motors. That aside, uh, yeah, so that breaks down kind of the – the protocol for for what the voting process was it was a little confusing this year because some media members either thought they would have got a ballot and they didn't or they got it late or there was a compressed timeline so the whole process seemed a little a little confusing at the outset but in layman's terms there was four criteria you're supposed to equally you know distribute percentages for for what deserves them and here's 
here's the thing, right? So there's accessibility, there's ability, and, and really, you know, no one's doubting Fernando Alonso's ability. The dude's one of the greatest drivers currently competing in, in racing and, you know, than that ever has. But Ed Jones, who is not as well-known or not as well-heralded, held his own with the guy that has this level of ability the whole month. So there's, you know, there's kind of a wash. Accessibility is a different thing. You know, Alonzo was, was everywhere throughout the month, and Jones would have been. You know, it's like it's not that he wasn't available. It's just people weren't willing to seek him out. That, that shouldn't be held against him if you don't pay attention or, or find out what the guy is. And then in the on-track standpoint, keep in mind, Alonzo had the extra test day where he not only had to do the rookie orientation program, but he also got to do race procedure stuff like running under yellow, doing pit in and outs, which the other rookies didn't get the chance to do. So there's almost sort of a built-in there that I don't want to call it an unfair advantage, but since all rookies need to have an oval test day beforehand, uh, that was something Fernando had at that particular moment. So uh, I, resources are not directly factored into it, but the Andretti team is, you know, arguably the best at Indy the last few years. And the coin team, as we discussed earlier, is, you know, small budget has a way of making more out of nothing, but, but I did that. And uh, so, you know, in an ideal world, there's co-rookies of the year. I thought Ed deserved at least that, but when it came down to a straight fight, um, I voted for, for Ed. I, I was fully impressed with everything fernando did this month and i think he he was really gracious throughout the process but uh, i was worried he'd overshadow the rest of the field and i I think he did to some extent very good i you know i and and i yeah i that's a good i i kind of like that i mean i i think yeah the cold war rookies of the year would have been i mean we we did in 1978 with rick mears and larry rice but and, there's, there's uh, been four or five examples yeah. of that before, so it, it has happened. It's not something that should happen frequently, but right. we've now had, in the last four years, we've now had the guest outsider, Kurt Busch, and now Fernando Alonso win Rookie of the Year, and Kurt's never driven an IndyCar race since, and Fernando, we don't know if he's going to drive in an IndyCar race again after this. He says he's going to come back, but, I mean, there's so much that has to happen for that to happen i mean his f1 situation has to get worked out and if he's in a competitive car he's not going to miss monaco again right you know we, we all have these these questions and for indycar now it's like well we can't even sell that our indy you know rookie of the year is also competing alongside our indy 500 champion because he's not the indy rookie of the year so i don't know that's my argument i'm sticking to it and uh yeah he, that's, uh, that's the beauty of opinion though as we all have him he would have won rookie of the year if his name would have been Fast Eddie. See, and that was that was the thing that, and I credit to the ABC guys on this. They had this um, really cool driver intros that they didn't sync up with the traditional one that the Speedway does on the PA. Mm-hmm. They actually had these these little vignettes, and Dennis Leary actually called him Fast Eddie Jones, and that was kind of cool. I thought because it's like, oh, you're giving a fractional a modicum of personality to a guy who right. got a really dry, sardonic sense of humor. And wears a you know adult club hat as part of his sponsors, basically to troll everything <laughs> with this uh, eleven in Miami, which you know it's, it's it's if you if you do a little bit of research, you'll find out more information on that front. This is a family show, though, so um, but yeah, good good stuff. We're talking with Tony Dezino on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. We're gonna take a quick break here, and then when we come back, we'll talk more IndyCar racing with Tony Dezino from NBC Sports. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show on 105.7 FM, The Fan. 
Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Make sure to get out there this weekend. Beautiful weather, beautiful cars. Go out there and see some wonderful drag racing action and have some great food. I'd also like to thank our friends at the Milwaukee area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, of course, is Tony DeZeno from NBCSports.com. Tony, welcome back to the show. What's the latest happening? Yeah, so um, anyway, the the season moves on after Indianapolis. Seems as that always hard is to believe. Um, to the Milwaukee the- Mile, the Rex I Mays think- Classic. I love it. 1967 called. Um, <laughs> no? Anyway. They're not uh, coming to Milwaukee? Well, not sadly. We're in Detroit, oh. so the, uh, oh. the the annual Roger Penske doubleheader uh, benefit concert. No, I I don't know. It's uh, I like Detroit. I actually like the event. It's just such a brutal drain on the crews and everyone that does this, this two doubleheader thing. I double think it, double your pleasure. Double your pleasure. It's crazy, right? With double points at Indy and then double races at Detroit, you get so many points within a two week period. It's kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, so that's going on June. So there's also Le Mans to look forward to Canadian GPs next week. So, um, yeah, basically we move on from Indy Palooza to rest of the season and the championships start framing up. So, and we'll have all the coverage as we go. Should be a lot of fun. And then, uh, let's see last week, I think, or I should say last year, the Detroit Grand Prix was, uh, won by Sebastian Bourdais and Will Power. And uh, this, well, at least one of those two can repeat. One of the side effects of Bourdais being out is he he's won this race the last two years, at least one of the two races, and uh, doesn't get the chance to defend. So there's these are always kind of two wacky races where at least one of them is really weird, where somebody wins off sequence, or it rains, or someone dominates. Or it's just not really a rhythm to it. It's kind mm-hmm. of a, a lottery weekend. But it's an important one to get through. And, you know, the big challenge at Detroit is always what happens to the Indy 500 winner because, you know, they run ragged through the week of media. They go to New York. They go to Texas. By the time they get to Detroit, they're like, oh, just get me in the car already. So, And the weird thing is Sato's usually been pretty good at Detroit. So will that hold? I don't know. But he's now up to a tie for second in the points. So suddenly a guy that you wouldn't have thought of as a title contender is actually in that framework. So he was that way a few years ago when he drove for Foyt one long beach. He was like, I think actually leading the points in 2013. Yeah. 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 So, Hey, uh, anyway. one thing I wanted to bring up, uh, I forgot to, cause we were getting a little short on time. Uh, Gabby Chavez. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, we should give a shout out for him, especially since we kind of blew him off by accident, uh, last week or two weeks ago, I think it was, uh, where we were, we were, he was calling into the studio, and we could not hook him up to the board for some reason. So, uh, and I, t- I, <laughs> it was kind of frustrating that way. But, anyways, I, I gotta give him a shout out. He was running. He, he's one of these guys, and it's it's one of the things with with the what's cool at the five hundred. There's there's always that one guy who's the steady Eddie. Pardon the pun mm. with uh, not saying it about Eddie Ed Jones, but. Gabby was that guy who who just kept moving up, kept moving up the leaderboard, a little bit at a time, a little bit at a time. You're thinking, well, okay, Munoz is running ninth, Chavez is tenth, and then you're like, whoa, wait a second, he got him. So, I I totally missed it. I mean, did did he get him in the last couple of laps there? Or? 
must have been late. I, yeah. I, I'm in the same boat. I think we were all fixated on the right. battle that, you know, it's hard to, to track those bottom top 10 guys. The 500 is always one where you look up at the results and he's like, he was ninth? Like, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's typical Gabby too, right? Because the guys, I felt bad for him last year because he went from being super impressive as a rookie in 15, single budget or single car team, low budget, to getting his ride lost. Rossi then wins the Indy 500 in that car, um, you know, and now he's got a, you know, nothing, you know, his partial season deal with Dale Coyne. So, yeah, he just drove a really consistent, clean race all month. The Harding Racing team is going to run two more races this year. And it's really cool because Gabby's just such a good kid. And I think people probably – people have very short memories in this sport. So it, it was good to give – sorry, good that Gabby gave a reminder of what he is capable of, particularly with a team that had never you know, had a live race or had pit stops as a collective unit. Mm-hmm. Certainly was, and uh, yeah, I wanted to make sure that we mentioned him. He did a, he did a pretty A plus job, uh, considering uh, the thrashing I had to get that program going. And we look forward to seeing him. Hopefully, it'll be uh, Texas and Pocono. So, any any final thoughts on Indy? You got any tidbits of information you want to? Um, just briefly. On there's there's no there's no fast way to condense all the the thoughts when you're running up against time. But thank goodness the the injuries weren't worse thank goodness Bordet and the wall and the mm-hmm. safer wall Hans device the whole Matro safety team all the things that made Bordet you know start his road to recovery and Dixon not be hurt from a vicious looking crash those are awesome Penske weird month I don't really know what to make of a month where they didn't seem ultra competitive it was strange uh, a couple other guys I mean tough to see some of the Andretti guys fall out Hunter Ray well, I don't know what he has to do to buy a break. He's had two 500s. He could have won a race through no fault of his own. And, uh, yeah, uh, a couple other teams debuted. Junkos got both their car home to the finish. Michael Shank's team, a little less fortunate. They got taken out by debris. Uh, no fault of their own either. So always plenty of good stories in the field of 33. We didn't even touch on Alonzo, really, outside of the, the rookie of the year thing. He did he did what he needed to do, but it was over a kill. <laughs> at the end of the day so exciting we move on and uh man it was a tense but fun 500 this year give me give me your most unusual moment of the month from just you media anything you're at a party and you're talking okay to the most surreal moment by far was on media day it's unreal picture superlative right so I'm talking to Sebastian Saavedra, who's driving for Yunkos, and Seb is sat next to Alonzo. And there is the perfect contrast of the month encapsulated in a 30-second video where it's me as the only person talking to a dude who's with a team that's making his debut. Meanwhile, there's 100 people, five, six rows deep, crowded around Alonzo. More dictaphones in that five you know, five foot radius and there's anywhere else in that room. So I was like, if you need a visual represent representation of overkill, this is it. So, um, and, and there's video of it. NASCAR chasm that the famous satirist even set that to like the sad Sarah McLaughlin song that you see on infomercials <laughs> at two in the morning. So just with the, the, the contrast of Seb looking so sad while everyone is around Alonzo. So that, that to me was, was the 517 comprised in, in one visual element. I have to admit, uh, I had the same situation with Spencer Piggott, who's a friend of the show, and 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 he was sitting there alone. I said, I I walked over by him. I said, Spencer, come on, 
let's have a fun chat. I said, you know, let's let's have some fun here. So and we did. He did a we had a had a fun interview with him. But I I stuck my I stuck my microphone in the <laughs> in the Alonzo crowd just to get a, just a just to get a little sound bite. And of course, he was talking in Spanish at the time. So I, of course, I had to play it last week on the show. So. There you go. Tony, appreciate it. Looking forward to uh, chatting with you in the near future as your schedule provides because you are a man on the go. So appreciate it. You all spending time with us. And make sure to check out his stuff at NBCSports.com. All the good stuff on the motors section at the tab at the top of the webpage. Tony, thank you, sir. Cool. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it as always. And you're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Make sure to get out there this weekend. And I'd also like to thank our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at MILWCAR.com. Coming up next, Fast Eddie Lapine from Racing Nation will break down the Monaco Grand Prix in just a moment on The Fan. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove, driven by Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Now, it's time for Sparky's Take. Time for another Sparky's Take. I'm Steve Sparky Pfeiffer. Good afternoon. How y'all doing? Uh, we'll talk a little NASCAR, maybe a little IndyCar. We'll get into a couple different things here. First, let's talk about the 600. The winner, Austin Dillon, driving the black number three. How about those apples? Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s number in victory circle at the Coca-Cola 600. A very cool, sentimental thing uh, to see for Dale Earnhardt fans, obviously. A cool thing to know that his grandkid, Austin Dillon, was the one that brings it home. Now what's going to be interesting to see is, can Austin Dillon eventually be a face of NASCAR? Dale Earnhardt Jr. is heading out the door at the end of this year, as we all know. They're going to need a face. Jimmy Johnson, old. Old guy. So Jeff Gordon's gone already. Kevin Harvick, old guy. They they aren't going to have that guy. Now Kyle Busch desperately is trying to be the black hat of the sport, trying to be the bad guy. Maybe there's a little rivalry between him and Keselowski now. That would be good for the sport if that could actually happen. Those two get going. Both of them can be whiny at times. And Keselowski, a great guy to follow on Twitter. If you don't, you should. Very entertaining. Very, uh, I think he's a pretty smart dude. Uh, very entertaining to uh, follow, too. So can he become the face of NASCAR, Austin Dillon? Or will it be Kyle Larson? Or will it be Blaney? Who will it be going forward? They're going to need him. Because as I've said before, and I'll say again, I think the sport's in trouble as soon as Dale Jr. walks out that door and says he is done. At that point, your largest fan base is not going to have anywhere to go. Now, will they run to Austin Dillon? I think the odds are yes. I'm willing to bet you they are going to run to Austin Dillon and you will see more of those black shirts walking around racetracks than any other shirt. Now you can say it's not deserved, and I will say Dale Earnhardt Jr. wasn't deserved to get the fan base he got upon Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s death. But he got it because of the last name, and he was kind of that rock star young kid on the scene. Austin Dillon's got the cowboy hat, got the all shucks attitude that he has. I think that might be your new face of NASCAR, no matter how much it may bother you. Over to IndyCar, I owe Steve Zotke an apology. I always used to make fun of Steve Zotke back when I hosted Final Inspection about being a Takuma Sato fan. 
uh, when he was riding for AJ Foyt Racing. He always used to tell me how much better of a racer than I actually gave him credit for. And I laughed at him and said, yeah, I, no, I'm not buying that. And over the course of time, he has proven to be a better race car driver than I thought. But stop the presses. When you win the Indianapolis 500, you have now arrived, at least in my mind. So congratulations to Takuma Sato on that one. And more importantly, IndyCar owes a big, big, big debt of gratitude to Fernando Alonso for bringing all those eyes for the month of May to IndyCar from Formula One fans around the world. They owe a bit debt of, big debt of gratitude to Alonso, who after the race talked about how hard the race was and how he'd want to come back and race again. I floated this idea the other day to Jeff Orlovsky. They need to figure out a way to come to the table uh, with Formula One and figure out if they can figure out a way to get Formula One and IndyCar uh, on the same track, maybe twice a year, once on a road course somewhere else in the world, uh, Formula Ones, and the other at the Indianapolis 500 with the Formula One drivers. That would be awesome. I hope they can figure that out, and I will be very, very happy. Enjoy the rest of your day, boys. your engines. It's time to talk all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, trucks, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show with Steve Zaki, Dennis Michelson, and Laurie Monroe from Racetalkradio.com. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Driven by the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Association. Now, final inspection on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Here's Steve Zaki. Welcome back to our number two of the final inspection show. Brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers. On the web at milwcar.com. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline is Eddie Lapine from RacingNation.com. Welcome to the show, Eddie. Hey, Steve. How are you today? We are doing excellent. And uh, first hour, we're talking uh, to Tony DeZino, talking about the 101st running of the Indianapolis 500. And last weekend is kind of like the trifecta of uh, auto racing. You got the... Monaco Grand Prix that leads off the uh, the day in the morning, and I was on uh, the big station, the big channel, NBC Sports, with our friend David Hobbs, of course, and Steve Matchett and Lee Diffie, and uh, Sebastian Vettel in a Ferrari, along with Kimi Rakinen. Uh They were the guys to beat, and uh, what, what happened to Mercedes last week, Eddie? Well, I just see... You know, with all the changes coming into this year, I just think you're going to, you, you saw Lewis struggling with setup and grip and getting a handle on his chassis. And I, you're going to see that periodically. And I was shocked at Monaco because he's really good there. Um, a teammate outshined him. Uh, Ferrari was just, I mean, they dominated and it was, you know, a pleasant surprise to see that. Uh, 
to see them that fast and uh, putting some numbers down that are just incredible. I mean, you watch the in-footage camera, and it's unbelievable around that circuit. There's no room for error. And as you probably saw from Thursday, a lot of people were struggling with grip with the tires. Well, and, uh, I, I can I can tell you what you know with with the Monaco Grand Prix. Thankfully, it's on that weekend because if it was any other weekend of the year, everybody would be bitching about it. Because <laughs> it's I mean it's it's got it's got three things going for it. It's got tradition. It's got chicks on beautiful boats. And and it's it's the first race of the day, and nobody really I shouldn't say nobody cares, but everybody kind of knows what it's going to be. You know, it's going to be a tight race. You know, I mean, I I, I, I joked with Hobbs a couple weeks ago. I said, you know, maybe maybe we'll see somebody pass you know eight cars over the top like Derek Daly did you know 25 30 years ago at the beginning but you know that's one thing that kind of surprises me is you you don't see the big crashes that you used to see at Monaco and and but it it it, it is what it is you know it, it's who's ever quick out the gate gets to qualify well is is who's going to win the race and and you um, got to give yeah, hats I mean, off to Ferrari. You're, you're right. Any other rate, and and the thing is, is when 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 you do tune in, that's what most of the people are waiting for yeah. is that big one on the start. And I, I just think you see a lot more drivers are that aware that you know the old saying: you can't win the race in the first turn, yeah. but you sure can lose it. Well. And, uh, well, a couple, a couple of things. That, okay, we got uh, the two Ferraris. Then you got the Daniel Ricciardo in the Red Bull uh, filled out the podium. And then you got Valtteri Bodas, which was not the Mercedes you'd think that would have been the top Mercedes. But hats off to him uh, for finishing fourth. Then you got Verstappen in the other Red Bull that finished fifth. And then kind of the surprise, I guess you could say, of the race was Carlos Sainz Jr. and Toro Rosso finishing sixth. And then we got... Uh, Hamilton and uh, Mercedes, and then for the first time in the history of this, this short-lived team, Haas Formula One uh, got two cars in the points, which uh, really helps them out, doesn't it? Oh, I mean, definitely. And as you could see, Magnuson's uh, frustration because he thought he could have, you know, he should have been in front of Hamilton. Yeah. Um, they, they were, you know, I mean, they finally – you know, and that's a track that you really need brakes. And I think, you know, that's, I mean, not only brakes for your cars, but you need brakes to run the race. But uh, I think they're getting a lot of their little gremlins that they've had over the years, I guess. I mean, over this year, um, I think now going to Canada will be the true test if Haas is yeah. really going in the right direction. Cause that is a total brake track. And, and I think, you know, I mean, they are. I mean, they're definitely have the people in place and the drivers are good. And I I think, you know, you're going to see some more, more results like this, you know. And uh, <laughs> it's funny because my wife, we were, I was watching the race when we got home on Monday and she, <laughs> Kimi Rackinen's in the, on the podium and he goes well he doesn't look excited i said 
He is. That's his excited look. <laughs> I know. You know, it's so funny. Kimmy, you know, I mean, Kimmy's a hell of a driver, and, you know, and he was extra frustrated. You could see it on the podium. He was – he looked like Ricardo looked last year when Ricardo – and if you looked at the facts, I mean, their pit stops were pretty identical. Yeah. Um, they – you know, you're a sitting duck when you're leading. And what happened was Sebastian Vettel laid some laps down. I don't know where, how he got them, but he did them. And he even admitted that after the race that he didn't think the car had it. But, he, you know, and that's the thing. You're a sitting duck. You come in, you make your pit stop, and the driver out there does three more, couple more laps, and, and they're good laps. And you're in trouble, <laughs> definitely. And that's where you know the the lead change comes. And unfortunately for Kimmy, uh, he was not too happy about that. And which is, you know, I mean, that's why you're you're there to race. You're there to win. You know, and he really needed one, definitely. Yeah, and that puts uh, uh, Haas, the Haas Ferrari team, eighth with 14 points, tied with Renault for seventh. Seventh and eighth uh, between those two teams, and uh, of course Ferrari is taking over the lead in the constructors' standings at 196 over Mercedes, 179 in the all-important constructor standings because that Eddie Lapine is where the teams get their money, isn't it? Oh, and it's it's huge money. People don't realize one point means you know you make or break your team, definitely, especially those. The, the smaller teams that are just, you know, even like Williams. I mean, with Lance Stroll bringing money to race, mm-hmm. you know, they need those points just to keep developing and, and you know, I mean, to compete, you know, and uh, it's the only way they're going to go. Yeah. It should be interesting. Uh, we got uh, 10 days away for the Canadian Grand Prix and uh, – We'll certainly talk more F1 as we get closer to that. Eddie, we thank you for coming on the show and uh, look forward to chatting with you again. Thanks. It was good uh, to talk to you, and I look forward. We got lots of racing coming up, and that was a heck of a weekend last weekend. Yeah, and now things start uh, focusing on places like Road America and whatnot, and and so should be a lot of fun this summer, and – want to welcome the fans to get out to road america to see the indy cars at the end of the month here and then uh let's not forget the uh vintage racing in july and of course uh nascar and imza in august don't forget sports car racing you betcha weather tech series yeah and we have an exciting we we we, and and yes that too and we have an exciting announcement to announce here in the next couple of weeks regarding the imza race in august so we'll keep you guys uh abreast of that eddie lapine racingnation.com make sure to check their stuff out you're listening to the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary great lakes dragway in union grove wisconsin along with their friends at the milwaukee area napa autocare centers on the web at milwcar.com this is final inspection with steve zaki presented by the legendary great lakes dragaway in union grove driven by milwaukee area napa auto care association on 105.7 fm the fan
Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin, along with their friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, of course, it's Dennis Michelson from racetalkradio.com. How are you doing today, Dennis? Mr. Z, another pleasant Saturday afternoon. Where would I rather be than uh, visiting with you fine folks in Milwaukee? And we started off the show talking about Indianapolis and the Indianapolis 500, Takuma Sato's win, and then we went to Monaco, talked to Eddie Lapine about the Monaco Grand Prix, and of course, we closed, we closed the show with the World 600. Now, if we want to be accurate, what we should do, we should talk about it for about five minutes, and then should we break and then come back about 6 p.m. tonight and talk about it? Talk, finish the <laughs> yeah, show off? That seems to be the way it uh, it should have been played out with a little rain delay uh, theater involved, and and then so we can actually play a rewind of uh, last week's show. Yeah, um, so that'll that'll fill the gap and fill the time, and and then we'll be all set for the second half. Personally, um, I loved it. I loved it because I was able to watch the last segment live at home on TV after being in yeah. Indianapolis. <laughs> For folks coming back from Indy, it was perfect timing. For those that had to get up on Monday morning uh, to go to work. Uh, what? It was, it Who was goes wrong, to work man. on Monday? Hey, it, you know, when when you're working in the big car business, that's a big sale, say, my man. Yeah, I understand. Anyways, let's talk about Austin Dillon. And those perfectly... And, and those perfectly... Perfect eyebrows of his. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. I got, I, I got him on that one, didn't I, was, I Jeff? You sure did. <laughs> I'm as underwhelmed as Kyle Bush was after the race. Um, you know, this was. You know, I'm a big NASCAR fan, right? Is there anybody who is a bigger NASCAR fan than Laurie Monroe and myself? Probably not. Maybe Richard Petty. Yeah, maybe Richard Petty. Um, what about Snot? Snot Willard? I can't. Well, Snot's been really angry at NASCAR okay. ever since they suspended him over that Marlboro thing uh, back when Winston was a sponsor. Well, we won't go there because it, it makes him sad when he hears it because he's a big fan of yours. Um, but anyway, that race was 600 miles. Well... I shouldn't say that. It was 565 miles of boredom with 35 miles of of action. Right. That's, that's what, what it usually is, isn't it? That's what we had. No, 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 no. <laughs> There's usually some real action in that race. And here was the biggest problem that I had on Sunday night is other than having to stay awake. Uh, because it wasn't exactly the most thrilling race. So it was sort of a, a cure for insomnia in many ways. I can't figure out if it was the fact that the race was so awful and so predictable and so blah, or whether it was just that in comparison to the Indianapolis 500, which gave you everything that you'd ever want in a race fan 
because I'm assuming most race fans, well, they won't admit it. They like to see crashes, but they don't want to see anybody get seriously hurt or killed. Um, but it had spectacular crashes. It had lots of great maneuvering for the lead. It had a Cinderella story of sorts with Takuma Sato, who has given so much to this sport and I think is a pretty cool guy getting the win. I mean, it just had a little bit of everything. And the racing on the track was just so outrageously great that you just almost had to hold your breath for 500 miles. And then you get to NASCAR, which usually, in the past, NASCAR always put on a better show in the evening with the 600-mile race than Indy did. Now, Indy had the prestige, and there was usually some really outstanding things that happen in the race to make it memorable. And heck, it's Indianapolis. It's the 500. It's a big deal. But the last few years, the folks at, at, at the IndyCar series have really figured out this aero package. And I know there's a lot of old-time fans like myself even that miss the days when you could tell who was coming down the stretch, not by necessarily even the color of the car, but the shape of the car. You had different cars there, and it made it fun because you never knew what you were going to get for the month of May. Those days are gone. They're never going to come back. So the next best thing to all of that excitement every year is having a race that was just knocked down, drag out, exciting, and that they fit the bill. So I'm not so sure whether the NASCAR race was as horrible as it could be or whether it was just horrible in comparison with the Indy 500, which was the, one of the, again, the, one of the most amazing races I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's uh, Steve asked me to lead off the show what I heard about NAS, you know, about the the six hundred, and and I said that most of what I heard is wow, the the Indy five hundred was so fantastic, and the six hundred was such a snoozer, and you know, I I completely agree with you. You know, again, one of the the marquee races of the year, and you know, not. Minus the rain delay, which obviously I'm sure tuned a lot of people out and stuff like that, but you know there was very little action, and and it was it was hard to watch. It was it was just it was hard to watch, and then it turned into a fuel mileage race. Yeah, you had a great twenty lap battle between Jimmy Johnson and Martin Truex in the first half of the race in the second segment, and then that was it. You know after. A crash on the track, you know, Johnson got shuffled back a little bit. So did Martin Truex. He had different characters up front. Clean air was king, and boom, way up to a big lead again. You know, I just don't get it. You've got such aero-dependent cars like you have in the IndyCar series and at the Indianapolis 500 that's really big on downforce. And those cars don't get aero-tight around each other. And you can actually slingshot for the pass. And you can actually make a move on the outside if you get a good run. And then you got NASCAR, which should not be as aero-dependent. And they cannot make a pass. And then when they do get up alongside each other for a little while, they don't have the horsepower to finish the pass. I don't get it. I don't know how you turn stock car racing into Formula One with fenders 
and you turn the IndyCar series into what we used to see in NASCAR with great slingshot passing. You know, whatever the folks at IndyCar have done, they've done right. Whatever the folks at NASCAR have done for their mile-and-a-half package, they've clearly done wrong. Because even some of the biggest homers for the sport have been complaining about the lack of action at the All-Star Race and then the 600 in back-to-back weeks. At least there's finally some recognition that there's a problem. But, of course, NASCAR will just change to Robles instead of fixing the problem that ails them. And that's kind of where we are with NASCAR management right now. Maybe we need a 600-mile road course race next year. (laughs) Oh, please. We don't need any more gimmicks in this sport. What we need is to fix the aero package. Now, I've heard rumors, and so far they're just rumors because nobody has actually shown a spec on the new car rules for 2018 yet. But I've heard a rumor that the splitter might be going away in favor of what they're going to call an air dam, which would be similar to, remember when the, the old Luminas were running right. back in the day? They had the air dam instead of the front valence, and it sort of worked better than, than the splitter does. I still say, go back to dirtying up the air on these cars really big and give them back horsepower and, and let the real drivers go ahead and, and run. Otherwise, you're going to have, you know, participation trophies um, and guys like Austin Dillon happening to be there at the right time when everybody else runs out of fuel. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure it'll get better at Dover this week. I'm not so sure. <laughs> the, last, <laughs> the last few races at Dover, and yeah, Dover used to be that race that just absolutely twice a year wowed you with everything that happened because a guy could be out there to a six-second lead like Mark Martin was one year, and have a spin with some lapped cars, and all of a sudden he's caught up in, in mayhem. Um, and, and then, you know, you used to have the giant rubber band there at, at Dover. It didn't matter how long of, of a lead a guy got. Somewhere along the line, towards the end of the race, everybody would come back on him, and, you know, lap traffic played a part, and, and also just the, the tire wear played a part and guys could could make these great big passes in the end and unfortunately less horsepower less passing you'd think that the brilliant minds at nascar would kind of understand that but so many people think that dan gurney was wrong and that's showing how wrong they are because you know what dan gurney used to say Cut down on the downforce, yep. increase the horsepower, and it's going to give you better racing all the time. And uh, that damn Gurney guy, he's pretty smart. I think I'd listen. He certainly is. Uh, of course, talking to Dennis Michelson from racetalkradio.com. Let's do some predictions for this week at Dover. Jeff, what says you? I'll take Jimmy Johnson. I like that pick. I'm going to go Brad Keselowski. How about you, Dennis? I'm going to take, let me see. I'm going to take Martin Truex Jr. Okay, a little revenge for the week. Very good. I like it. And uh, what's coming up on uh, Race Talk Radio and the next segment? Well, Lori and I will be uh, trying to figure out whether the the 
Coke 600 was that awful or whether it was that the Indianapolis uh, 500 was that great. And we're actually going to talk a little bit more about Indy, too, because, quite frankly, NASCAR bored the heck out of us this week. But uh, we're going to have a good time, as we always do. So stick around for more interesting talk with Lori and I later in the show. Are you going to grade the booger that Kyle Busch picked out of his nose in the uh, press conference there? That was just one of the most disturbing things I've ever watched. <laughs> I just, you know, there's a Seinfeld episode about that, and that was a full blown dig. <laughs> that was a dig. Yeah. Here, here's all I got to say about that. I am just so glad that that we won't have to hear anybody mentioning how marriage and being a father has tamed down Kyle Bush and made him an old softy. <laughs> That's for sure. This is true. Dennis, we appreciate it as always, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you next week, sir. Thank you, Z-Man. Thank you. You are listening to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove, Wisconsin. Make sure to get out there this weekend and with this beautiful weather, along with our friends at the Milwaukee Area Napa Auto Care Centers on the web at milwcar.com. Welcome back to the Final Inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. This is Dennis Michelson along with Lori Monroe, and you know what that means, folks. It is time for your NASCAR segment, and Lori Monroe, I think the folks at NASCAR headquarters in Daytona have to love Kyle Busch about now. I think so. Why wouldn't they? There's, there's nothing not to love about Kyle Busch. You know why I think they love him even more, though? Okay, you tell me yours and I'll tell you mine. Go ahead. Because his antics after mm-hmm. the race where he did his famous mic drop and was picking his nose, and that's all anybody's talking about, it's sort of gotten us away from talking about how dull the Coke 600 was. So I think that's a win for NASCAR. Well, I couldn't really tell you how dull the Coke 600 was other than the few laps I watched before I fell asleep. Because what time did it finish? Two in the morning? I don't know. It was late, but, yeah. But I think the reason that uh, NASCAR loves Kyle Busch right now, number one, that kid did not use an expletive. Number yes. two, that kid's name is not Tiger Woods. Very true. You know, Kyle Busch has gotten a really bad rap in the last few days. And, you know... There could be a lot worse things he could have done. He's a passionate driver. He he didn't win that race. He was he was looking. He, he, the guy's tick got a sheet. He's ticking off victories of things that he wants to win. Coke six hundred didn't happen to happen to him this year. He was upset. I I really it, it's comical looking at the video. I must have watched it four hundred times. Thank <laughs> God it's only like fifteen seconds long. And now of course everybody's making parodies of it too which is even funnier but really give kyle bush a break this guy is not out there driving around like a lunatic on the roads or cursing and swearing or doing anything he he's his own worst enemy we know this this is the kyle bush we all know and 
again, this is you got to have the black hat in the in the sport, and everybody loves to hate Kyle Busch, but you know, over the last few years, he's gotten a lot more fans, and it's great to have somebody that has some sort of a flavor and texture out there. Then you know, we could be complaining about oh, you know, Jimmy Johnson's always winning, or he's so vanilla. You know, you can't have it both ways. My biggest concern, speaking of taste and texture, was the fact that he was picking his nose so much. That was that weird. Was... <laughs> that that was just, it was, he basically, that was almost like his version of giving everybody the finger. Like, I'm going to yeah. sit here and just be, just be vulgar, short, abrupt. It was a tantrum. It was a tantrum. We know this. Yeah. We see this. But that's Kyle Bush. But yeah, the whole nose thing like if you watch the 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 junior 360 video <laughs> junior motorsports made the parody of it yes people gotta look this up and watch it because it is priceless everybody in the entire organization it does this little parody of uh, of kyle bush it's just absolutely priceless yeah i thought that was fantastic and you're so right you know the the things that we complain about our nascar stars about, yeah, are are so mild, you know. They're mild, you know. This is the same week where you've got this redheaded comedian holding up a <sighs> decapitated head of Donald yeah. Trump. Kyle Bush didn't do that. No, no, I was more. You know, there's was... a lot more vulgar people in the world that people look up to and revere, and now you've got Jim Carrey defending this uh, this comedian as well. It just it just absolutely the the world is just off base for some reason and I don't know why. And all we can do is pick on Kyle Bush. Yeah, it was the nose picking that, that turned me <laughs> off. That was that that's where I draw the line, Laurie Monroe. I draw the line at, at picking the nose, especially when it appeared at one point that he was uh well we won't go there. But anyway oh, please, yeah. Kyle Bush on the pole for Dover. Are we finally going to see Toyota break through with the win this weekend? I don't know. It, I, I'm pulling for Kyle Bush this weekend. I really hope he does go out and win. He, he certainly needs a win. He's not had a win this year. That was part of his problem as well. He really, he, he needs a win. And yeah, JGR has just not been, and especially Kyle Bush. We expect more from Kyle Bush. So whether Toyota rises to the forefront, I just don't. I hope yeah. so. Hope so. How how about that performance yesterday on pole day? Kyle Busch winning the pole, Truex Jr. the pseudo JGR team on the outside of uh, row one, then Suarez and Kenseth right there, and then Jones is back there in in like row four. So very good successful qualifying day for the guys from JGR and from the JGR shadow team so i have a feeling that uh, that's going to be the team to beat you know I, if i could turn back time i would have even changed my pick for this weekend from uh, well we'll <laughs> talk about that later but uh but oh, no very man. very strange it, I do hope we see more racing on the track and less nose picking after the race, uh, though, this week at Dover. I want racing during the day where at least I'm awake because I did miss out on the Coke 600, sadly. Yeah, and the whole grip strip thing, nice try, Charlotte Motor Speedway. It didn't work. 
I guess, unless there's a massive rule change, I will be very happy next year that they run the road course because at least it'll be some different sort of (laughs) insanity rather than the 20 laps of good racing that we had. In 20, I guess I shouldn't be whining so much because I should accept 20 good laps out of 400 any day, right? (laughs) Yeah, right. Sure, Michelson. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, anyway, quite a a hilarious, you mentioned that hilarious video by, by Junior Motorsports, but on the other flip side, one of the things that made me a little upset was the the Toyota officials and everybody else ripping Brad Keselowski when he mentioned on Twitter, and, and I didn't think it was that over the top, called out Kyle Busch for being disrespectful yeah. to Bob Pockers. And I, I just, I thought, you know, shouldn't he be able to express his opinion on that? I just didn't understand that. Yeah, it got, uh, got a little touchy there i was surprised to see that as well because i thought oh gosh what did what did uh, keselowski say and i was it was lunch bag letdown because i thought he'd sent something really volatile but uh he didn't yeah and that's the thing is i when i saw the whole uproar i'm like oh my goodness did he call kyle bush a jerk did he call him names did he you know say his sponsor should pull out you know whatever no all he said was he was disrespectful. Well, he was. And, and I agree. You can go over the top uh, and beat up Kyle Bush too much for being Kyle Bush. Thank God that this will keep people from actually saying, you know, since he got married and had a kid, Kyle Bush has been uh... a different man. He hasn't. And, and you know what? I'm actually glad that he's stayed the same. And I'm glad he's upset when he doesn't win, but I don't know. Bob Pockers is one of the most respected guys in the NASCAR media and one of the nicest guys you'll meet as well. I'm not so sure that it does much beating him up. I'd save that disgust for the uh, reporter that asks dumb questions. Well, the thing is, every every good driver in history has beat up on Pockers. Don't you remember when Tony Stewart said... All right, what are you on, pock grass? <laughs> yes. I'll never forget that. Yeah, and, and to his credit, Bob handled this in true Pockris style because when he was asked about it, he says, I don't have any problem with Kyle Busch. And I know because he doesn't have any problem with anybody. He doesn't yeah, care. Yeah. He doesn't care. He's there to do his job. He's not there to be best buddies with these guys. He's not there to be the story, exactly. But the story was Austin Dillon getting his first career win. Here's the question for you. Will this be his only career win, do you think? Only career win? His career's just starting. I'm sure there'll be more wins. I think uh, I think RCR's probably doing a little bit better than they were in the last couple of years. I, I think there'll be more wins for him. And congratulations to him as well and to Richard Childress Racing. That's another kid who took a, took a beating this week from a lot of uh, old Dale Earnhardt Sr. fans. That's really unfair. I, I just don't know why why they're not allowing him to celebrate and allow his fans to celebrate because he does have fans. They might be younger. You know, just uh, allow the evolution of, of, of NASCAR to take place. You know, t- 
we've got different drivers driving numbers that we've seen for the last 40 years and no one seems to be having a, a meltdown but uh, god help them if somebody else is in the three car and wins yeah the only advice i have for austin dillon after giving advice to kyle bush on uh, no nose picking <laughs> yeah austin please change your celebration i would yeah, love to see you win I would like to see you win 20 more times a year if you just came up with a better celebration. That's all I'm saying. Well, it all got crazy when drivers started getting out of their cars. Yeah. You know, and then it's they got to one-up each other. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Well, it is time for us to step out and take a quick break. When we come back, it'll be time for a little NASCAR still blowing. You're listening to the Final Inspection, 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to 105.7 FM, the fan, the final inspection. Dennis and Laurie talking NASCAR, and you know what time it is now, ladies and gentlemen. Well, a team in, team in a Ah, yes. When you hear the music. Wait, wait, And you hear the dog get all excited. You know it's time to queue up. General Mattis and his bombs. It is time for good old-fashioned still-blowing. Lori Monroe, tell folks how this works. Mattis and his quartet of bombs. Yeah, if if you've got something that's got you upset in the world of NASCAR, go over to racetalkradio.com, fill out the form, and join us in a still-blowing every week, and we'll uh, we'll include you in our still-blowing. Stills are things that used to have a little bit of moonshine running through them back in the day. And they got blown up from time to time. So uh, this is what we like to do around here. What did they have running through them? Oh, a little bit of moonshine. White lightning. White lightning. That's the stuff. Absolutely. So, Lori Monroe, do you have a still that needs blowing? I do. I'll just cut to the chase. Indy car, Indy 500, driver introductions that did not happen on TV. Wow. I so look forward to the little bit of pomp and circumstance yes. before the Indy 500, which I thoroughly enjoyed the race. I I want to see the driver intros. They walk out three abreast. They get cheers. Fans yell, scream. They wave and they walk off. Oh, Sometimes yeah. someone's a little bit late behind. You know, it, it's all been fabulous. It's part of the part of the tradition. And I don't know why they're not doing it like that on TV. I, I assume they did it live there i don't know yes. how yeah. would i know yeah all i got was the pre-recorded thing on tv with the driver uh introducing the drivers so that that upset me oh that was a good call but uh speaking of traditions how about jim cornelson doing the uh, <gasps> back home again in indiana he was outstanding absolutely that, nailed it it gave me shivers I yeah, was I, like, I got goosebumps oh, thinking about it right now, too. Crazy, crazy good. Well, mine also has to do with the Indy 500. Usually these are NASCAR stills, but they could be anything yeah. in the racing world. There was actually a reporter. Uh, well, now a former reporter, thank God. There was a reporter that tweeted out about how he was not feeling very well about Takuma Sato winning. On Memorial Day, because the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor years ago. Oh, my God. Really? I hadn't heard this. Oh, 
yeah. Yeah, and he is now uh, a former sports writer for a major publication. I'll, I'll figure out which one later on. But, yeah, and there were other people, though, wow. on social media that were ripping Takuma Sato. Oh, that guy's always a crash dummy, you know. Oh, oh he just... my God. Really? That guy has given so much yeah. to IndyCar racing. He is, and finally, in a great car. Out but of this the is Indy it. 500. You know, he's he's not had the best stuff in the last few years. No, no. So the, for the people ripping on Takuma Sato, who's one Blow of the them up. funniest guys around and nicest guys, that that definitely needs some some blowing. But boy, I I think we just blow them all up. Um, blow anybody... them all up. If if I got to choose, though, I'm picking yours because I absolutely adore Takuma Sato, and I can't believe somebody would be shallow-minded to even write something like that. What so an idiot. G- General Mattis, send in the B-52 bombers, please. <laughs> that sweet sound of explosive always makes me so happy when I hear things blowing up. It is time for a little NASCAR news before the uh, the end of the day. And uh, how about this? Kyle Busch's career is going to the dogs this weekend at Dover. He's doubling up pedigree dog food on his car for both races. Could we see pedigree in victory lane for both races? Yes, and I hope so. I hope so for... For Kyle Busch, and I hope so for the dogs. I love the paint scheme all the time. When uh, he's had pedigree on before, it's it's a good thing. <laughs> also, good news for Dale Jr. Of course, he is a big Redskins fan, right? He loves potatoes? the Redskins football team, the Reds- no, Washington oh, football. Redskins okay, not football potatoes. team, which was his daddy's favorite team. And uh, the good news is, he will not have to drive. A Philadelphia Eagles paint scheme as it was originally uh, scheduled. So uh, how about that for old Junior? He gets away from not having to uh, drive a car with his most unfavored team on. Would it really kill him to have to drive with a paint scheme for a team he doesn't uh, doesn't follow? No, he'd be okay about it. He'd I think be fine. He'd be fine. But everybody else is concerned about it also in the news how about this a cool way to celebrate the 80th birthday of the king at chicagoland speedway that sounds pretty cool isn't it i swear every year he turns 80 yeah i'm kind of i really thought last year was his 80th yeah i think they're and now this year's is his 80th maybe it's like one of these 29 and holdings it's 80 and holding he doesn't look 80 no, like, he doesn't look 80. He, the he man not has not changed 80. in 40 years. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it's nuts. It's absolutely crazy. But uh, but great to see the folks at Chicagoland Speedway coming up with yet another way to, uh, to sell a ticket out there for the official King's 80th birthday deal. Check them out, chicagolandspeedway.com. Now, next year, if Chicagoland tries to do this again... For an 80th birthday, and it's for the race in July. We know they're just screwing with us. (laughs) 
All right, Lori, it is the Dover race, the Monster Mile. I hope the monster lives up to its nickname and gives us a monster great time. Who is your pick to win this week at Dover? I'm going with the nose picker. I'm going with Kyle Busch. That is a great pick indeed, and I'm going to (laughs) go with his pseudo-teammate who doesn't pick his nose or any other orifices that I know of anyway. Martin Truex Jr. is my pick to win out at Dover, but uh, I think it's going to be a Toyota this weekend, and I... I wonder if it's too cha- too late to change my pick so I can win a great prize. I, I got to check into that. Well, you could always turn back time. I can turn back time. Yes, indeed. So Kyle Busch, Martin Truex, those are our picks to click. Thanks for tuning in to your NASCAR segment with a little bit of IndyCar thrown in at no extra charge. Here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.